0: At 9 p.m. on a cold Manhattan Tuesday in February 1937, Charles Hurd left a nightclub and restaurant on East 54th Street. Several blocks later, he drove his car into the pillar of an elevated railway. Leaving the scene apparently unharmed, he would never be seen again. Did he meet a violent end? Did he end his own life? Was it just an extension of his accident? His life has barely left a trace, nonetheless haunting the memories of his son, just six at the time of his disappearance, and generations of others. If ghosts are the remains of human dreams, then, as Fitzgerald suggests, like Gatsby, we are all preyed upon by this foul dust floating in the wake of our hopes, our sorrows, and our short-winded elations. This is the true and untold story of Charles Gasm Heard, The Ghost Gatsby. Episode 3 The Man in Manhattan. It's time for some important disambiguation. There are, of course, significant differences between the fictional character of Jay Gatsby and our ghost Gatsby, Charles Hurd. For instance, in Fitzgerald's novel, Jimmy James Gats is a man of humble origins from North Dakota. reinvents himself becoming this mythic figure who throws lavish parties on long island for the wealthy and connected of new york city it is strongly intimated that gatsby made his money as a bootlegger And a major point in the novel is that Gatsby does not participate in the revelry that surrounds him, because his reasons for achieving and displaying his great success are very different from the people who show up to his mansion. In many ways, Charles is the inverse of these things, a man born into great wealth and then veering off the path, very unlike Gatsby who graduated, failing out at Yale before marrying and starting a family. Gatsby is... Spoiler alert, gunned down in a shocking act of mistaken revenge, Charles' ending is unknown. Gatsby was a private man, disappearing at his own parties at his own mansion. He was not the type to spend his weeknights at a bustling nightclub, let alone at the hottest one in all of Manhattan. The El Morocco was opened as a speakeasy by an Italian immigrant named John Perona in 1931. At the end of Prohibition in 1933, the place took off. Known by its zebra print designs, crescent blue moon, and shimmering white palm trees, the El Morocco somehow became an absolutely legendary spot to see and be seen as the nightly photos of actors, politicians, and high society types were splashed across newspapers the next morning. It was this kind of place. You could look up from your meal and see Clark Cable hurrying by, escorting the starlet of the month while a live band played Cole Porter and Ira Gershwin, the latter of whom might actually be seen on the dance floor, betting his dance partner which of his own songs would be playing next. And while you were looking at that, you'd miss Gary Cooper, various Vanderbilts, Hursts, or Roosevelts. The scene at 1930s El Morocco, truly surreal, was captured by Yale man, photog, Jerome Zerp and his various collections today sell for thousands of dollars on the internet and at rare bookshops. While John Perona's El Morocco in East Midtown Manhattan was glamorous, outrageous, alleged to harbor illegal activities, and likely the last establishment where Charles was ever seen, it's in fact another seedier New York spot that plays a bigger role in the mystery of his disappearance. A nightclub in Central Park called simply the Casino. Built in 1864 as a restaurant called the Ladies' Refreshment Salon, its original intent was as a place for single women to dine in the park. By the early 1920s, the once bright casino was little more than a dim bulb. But in 1926, the new mayor, Gentleman Jimmy Walker, took office and vowed to spruce up Central Park, which meant, among many other things, new ownership for the casino. Walker was an Al Smith protege, a Tammany Hall-backed rising star of the Democratic Party. He opposed prohibition, fought to legalize boxing in New York, strongly backed social welfare, and condemned the KKK. However, the state of play under Walker was, perhaps unsurprisingly, more than a little crooked. The reinvigorated nightclub was rumored to have been financed by Arnold Rothstein, Mob Kingpin, and alleged fixer of the 1919 World Series, as well as the inspiration for Fitzgerald's Meyer Wolfsheim character. Regardless of how, the casino, located at 5th Avenue and 72nd Street, once again became an elegant hotspot under the guidance of hotelier Sidney Solomon. While gambling was officially illegal in the city during this time, the casino was a special place where it seems anything was possible. Mayor Walker himself would make grand appearances, Ziegfeld Follies-type chorus girls would entertain privileged members in private upstairs rooms, and the decadent dining hall was filled with new money and old money. No discrimination was ever made about what type of money in this place. The casino lights from the club windows shone bright in the dark park, and the revelry would go on late into the night, 3 a.m. by some accounts. The casino was a place to get yourself in all kinds of trouble specializing in the particular kind of trouble you could find gambling alongside the New York City mob, was it this penchant for big stakes that landed Charles in hot, or maybe ice-cold water? Or, was it somehow the elite social circles of churning political power that were all around him? Next week, Episode 4, American Failings. The Ghost Gatsby is a SIFT podcast, a Man with Suitcase production, written and produced by myself, with additional artwork by Jason Gamber, and special thanks to the New York Public Library.